There's an old rule of theater that goes, if there's a gun on the mantle in Act 1, it must go off in Act 2. The reverse is also true. Stephen King. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. We are jumping back to my book for today's editing episode and discussing problems that Lee saw as she was editing Katie Ratio. So again, spoiler alert, if you haven't read it, go read it and then come back to this. Today, we're mostly talking about a setup and payoff in your story, setting something up in Act 1 so that it pays off in Act 2, or the difficult part for a pantser, having something in Act 2 means setting it up in Act 1. Yeah, that quote at the beginning really applies to me. I need to do the reverse. One of the things that we've talked about prior to recording that I wanted to introduce as a concept to you is to have your character have grounding moments. By grounding, we mean the moments that she's having anxiety attacks, giving her a way to deal with them so that we can then use that method of dealing with them to show that she's having a panic attack. For context, I mentioned that she'd been having panic attacks in a scene near the beginning. And then I had a scene kind of in the middle where she had another one and then never again. She had a great opportunity for a panic attack right near the end, but she forged through it, conquered the bad guy, saved the world. So the type of grounding exercise I suggested for the character was a 5-4-3-2-1 kind of grounding exercise. It's five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can hear, two things you can smell, and one thing you can taste. The point of it is to bring you back to that moment because so many panic attacks are related to past or future. I especially wanted Thea to associate this type of grounding with Logan so that when she starts to have panic attacks in different areas, she's leaning on this person, even if he's not physically present, to help her get through whatever it is she's getting through. It's also super helpful in the way you can reference it really quickly by going five, four, three, two, one. And if you establish at the beginning, then that pays off later on. You only have to give the numbers and we know what she's doing with the numbers. And that's really what this episode is about, is establishing stuff in the beginning so we can use it later on. Or finding those things that I have later on and establishing them in the beginning. One of the aspects that I really liked about especially Logan as a character is this cop face thing that he does. So I looked back to Toxic and it's her brother Orion that has the cop face. I never once said Logan had a cop face. The issue I had with the cop face was that both brother and boyfriend did it. So the next thing I was going to say was pick one. I guess in Toxic you already did. Did you give Logan something else to replace cop face? Not quite. I described his expression. I think one of the words I used more often was stoic or expressionless. Having worked a lot with cops when they get into an investigation when they're doing the interviews, that tends to be what happens to their face is it almost becomes blank. Not quite, but they're not showing any emotion through it. 
So one of the notes I had for their breakup scene is to drop in the equivalent of a cop face right after they break up and before he decides to leave. That emotional distancing from something that could really hurt, applying that to her, can make that moment so emotional. Oh, that's so good. (laughs) One of the dramatic things that happens in her relationship is she and Logan are constantly dancing around the love word. The scariest four-letter word of all. She almost says it, and then he almost says it, and she cuts him off, and then she almost says it again, and then like three quarters of the way through the book, they say it, that's it, and then they go on with the story. It was such a weird time to say that. So in my defense, the reason I put it there specifically, this was the day after her brother was almost killed before the final conflict. It is this moment of rest in between action where things are settling. There's no adrenaline. I wanted that moment to be somewhere there where the characters can truly realize that the love is not fueled by excitement, not by all of the emotions, all of the chemicals that are rushing through your body when you're in middle of something big. It is this simple breakfast scene where he finally just lays it on the line and trusts her that she realizes, you know what, now's the time because he's showing me, he is changing, he's working with me, and it's not fueled by adrenaline. That moment in storytelling, though, should be the darkest hour, should be the all hope is lost moment. So you might consider having one of them say it and the other refuse to say it until after the final conflict. So she says to him, I love you. And he goes, you're pretty cool too. And so she can be in this emotional dark point until after the conflict and they live happily ever after when he says it back afterward or vice versa. I think he has an easier time saying it than she does. But having this accomplishment, I feel like it lessens the darkest hour feeling. You could have them have that conversation and then have her reach out to Camilla and go, guess what? We finally said it. Isn't it wonderful? And Camilla doesn't answer. She feels abandoned by Camilla. There's a darkest hour moment there. And then we figure out why Camilla didn't answer. Because you guys can't see me. I now have a huge mischievous grin on my face. Because pain. (laughs) I do like that she's doing a lot more investigating in this one. I feel like that's helpful in making her feel less like a victim when she's dealing with all this other emotional stuff. But I got a little confused as far as what the actual investigation was doing. Because it was handed off to not Orion's department. And then even before he was shot, Orion was kind of brought in, but not. And... Don't hate me for saying this. I would be interested in having a Lestrade character. Another character who's investigating, going, oh, we think it was somebody at the school because this was broadcast and the school has a camera there. And we know that they're wrong, so she has to go do what's right. This is one of those times where my knowledge of police work actually bites me. Because part of why... There's no consistent who's investigating 
is because all of these crimes happened in different jurisdictions. If it were me, I would be interested in having Orion not on the investigation because of conflict of interest. And then having another person who interviews her as a witness and this and that. Maybe somebody who suspects that the tabloids are true and that she's setting this up herself. Somebody that we can disagree with so we can root on Thea and not just go, well, let them handle it. We're a little too distant from the investigation, I think, for a whodunit type scenario. Also, what was your plan with the fame and fortune and all of that? The world thinking she's making it up because that never really went anywhere. Plan? What is this word? It's a four-letter word. I don't think that really had a purpose because these, especially gamer news, it's dramatic. And that's what they want is the drama. I almost feel like that should be resolved. Maybe that would be something that Gwen could handle. Just like, hun, delete the app from your phone. I'll handle this. I'm in charge of PR for the team anyway. You just focus on surviving. And then we have a reason not to pay attention to it anymore. And she has a reason to exist. (laughs) Sorry. I don't like her very much. My final thought brings us back to Chekhov's gun, which is mentioned at our opener. Logan had a rapier and he didn't use it. I really wanted to see him wield that thing against the dragon. (laughs) Okay, if you can just slice the, the gas pipelines in the throat, then it'll stop billowing smoke at us. Okay. Now he's using the rapier because <laughs> I'm like, that would just be a great trailer moment of Logan with the sword in Renfair costume against this thing. I think I've come up with a way to fix that. Delete the sentence. No, to actually include it because that is such a good idea. And major spoilers for the final conflict here. Right now, she just basically reaches up and hits a button. But this dragon is substantially tall and she's not that tall. So how I'm going to do it now is they need the rapier to basically stab and push that button. And Logan... Okay, so it's dull and then you can actually have it at a run fair. Yes. <laughs> so Logan's going to try to use it. Obviously, he gets knocked out of the fight. Thea's going to pick it up and do her thing. There you go. That's your trailer moment right there. Stab the underbelly. So... Even for all of you, my pants are friends. Remember, things actually need to connect in your book. This is hard for me. I know it's probably hard for you as well. This is where the editing process comes in. If you want a little more insight into how to pants with this setup payoff system, we did do an episode on footholds. This is how you be a pantser and have this act one, act two cohesion. As you set up a foothold of she learns about such and such so that in act two, it pays off. Putting the gun on the mantle, even as a pantser, you may not know how the gun is going to be used, but you can put it on there so that you have that foothold for when it does go off in act two. That means setting yourself up for success, which starts with writing selfishly if you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on facebook by searching for aspenhouse publishing 